everybody. Welcome to the Hawkeye Huddle here on 1700 The Champ, 101.3 FM. Brett Ridge and Dave Creighton Jr. Junior. Junior. <coughs> Excuse me. We'll back at the throat. Uh, here at G-Migs in Valley Junction, West Des Moines. So what happens when all you do is drink Diet Coke. Yeah, listen, I got if medication. If you can ever get one. I got medication. I got to take care of that. Plus, we're doing, I'm on the dry January thing. I can make that work, too. We're, we're, I'm okay with that. We're on damp. Damped, well, several of you are. But uh, nonetheless, we're here at G-Migs as we are each Tuesday night. Uh, we've got a couple more months left through the basketball season. And uh, last week we sat here wondering if that was going to be a whole lot of fun. Well, we had a whole lot of fun this week. Holy cow. Watch and I will play basketball. Uh, yeah, a surprising week, certainly, in terms of uh, the way they came back after uh, their losses to EIU, Nebraska, Penn State. And then the first five minutes against Indiana, and you just sat there going, what are we watching? And then they started playing good to great basketball well, the, for, for a good solid half of the Indiana game. And then, you know, oh, won, 30, won, minute, 30 minutes of the Indiana and then game. Won the last five or 10. And then played terrific uh, over at Rutgers the other day. They get two victories 91 89 against Indiana when they were ranked number 15. And Rutgers, that's uh, 76-65. By the way, that's 11-point win, 11-point quad one road win. That's a, that's a good thing for your net. They went from 60th in the net to 42 with that one win. Think that, about that. That's improvement. Yeah. They dropped the last couple of days. They're down to 44 right now. But 10-6, 2-3. And, and, uh, and we've got Michigan coming Thursday night into Carver-Hawkeye Arena at 6 p.m. That's on ESPN2. Sunday against Maryland on BTN. And then uh, Northwestern next week. What time on Sunday? It's 3.30. Oh, jeez. What is Big Ten Network's hating on putting games on in the middle of the NFL Sunday? And they've made it more, right? They they do the Sunday triple header, and they have fewer of them on on Saturdays. It makes makes zero sense that they currently have a, a triple header of college basketball on an NFL playoff Sunday. Super wild card weekend. Yes. No. I th- apparently that's what we're supposed to call it. It's super wild card weekend. Super, super wild. Super wild. But uh, anyway, the Hawks got down 23-4, to 27-8 to Indiana. 28-7. 28-7. 21-point deficit. Clawed it back. Uh, then went down again by, what, six? Well, they got to, it was 10 and a half. It came back and took the lead, though, and lost that lead. Not in the first half. No, in the second half. Yes. Um, I, I thought it was five, whatever, five or six. It was two possessions. And then got ahead. And then they, they did something I hated. And then they did something I loved. <laughs> and what they did that I hated is that they quit running their offense. Yeah. To It was like, okay, you're up four or five and um and all of a sudden i know we we, we want to grind a little clock off but you've been I, let's put it this way you've gone from 70 and you ended it or seven and you ended at 91 in uh 20 what was that 25 28 minutes, minutes right 28 minutes give or take uh maybe maybe 30 minutes and then you stop playing for the last two or three right but then <clears throat> right you were able to, to get fouled. They made all their free throws down. The, I think they missed one. Of seven, seven of their last eight, I think, key, they made. Key to, key to the win was making and, those free throws. Absolutely. And up three, they fouled twice um, and didn't allow somebody to take the open three-pointer. 
loved that. I, I like that too. Because that is, it's proven. It's happened against them. Multiple times where somebody throws in something from just inside half court, right, or whatever, right? But it's happened when when Iowa was down three and we were getting fouled yep. and not allowed to yep. shoot. Right. So Fran has changed that strategy, and I, I concur with it. It was under 10 seconds, which is why I think he was doing it. So at any rate, all good. And well, and Ke- uh, Chris Murray, Murray with a big block on the last, you know, with under what twenty seconds to go to, oh, on the last possession, uh, under ten, six, six right? Yeah. So a nice big block to to keep Indiana from scoring. And you know yeah. the officials. Well, and how did Fran get teed up and then unteed? I thought they were teeing up the Indiana bench. Oh for, no, for that John. was clearly on yeah. Fran because he he walked over and, and the official went like that. Well, it, which is the technical sign for those of you on the radio or the podcast. Um, and then they waved it off. And Woodson had every right to be pissed. Um, had that happened to me, I would have figured out a way to get fined by the Big Ten uh, because that was wrong. So what Connor said, Connor McCaffrey. Who, oh, really? He's a bastion of truth when it comes to these things? They asked him on there. He was on a podcast right uh, after the game that night. I don't even know what the podcast was. He's on some podcast, and they've got a kid. And he, they said, what happened? He goes, I'm walking back to the bench, and they start they, they start saying, tell your dad to take that. It was after Rabracha fouled out. Tell your dad to take that. And they, he said they said several things about him that I can't repeat. And, uh, and then he, he heard that. Fran heard it. Fran heard it. So Fran heard the Indiana bench. Talking to talking Chirpin, Chirpin, Chirpin Connor. Connor about Fran, right? And when Fran came over half court, Mike Woodson said, you better step the F off. And that's when the referee said, oh, sorry, I'm taking away that technical foul that I just gave to Fran. All because right, well. Mike Woodson would have got one, too. So he just was like, all right, instead of double-teeing these guys and trying to figure out who well, the ball. Well, but Fran, Fran would have been ejected. Yeah, I'm not certain yeah, that that would have yeah. made a tremendous amount that's, of coaching difference. So, so that, that's just – and I, there was somebody sitting behind the bench that was on Hawkeye Report the other day saying that that's the same thing. Is the Indiana bench was – uh, and antagonizing, which is it's one thing for players, right? If players are sitting there antagonizing, but for assistant coaches, you you don't talk to the other team's players, and certainly don't swear at them and call your their father names right there, who's the coach on the other end. It's classless and it's wrong, and that's what got them going. Now Fran had gotten tea early in the game, right? He would have been ejected, and that would have been a problem. So let me ask you, right after he got the tea. Iowa had a little mini run, and I don't know if we called timeout or Indiana did, and Fran was as animated as I've ever seen him at his own team in the middle of the court. Was that an effort to pump them up? Yeah. Scream and yell at them for doing something wrong? No, I think they'd. I think I, I think he was pumping them. I think he was giving them giving them yeah. the. Hey, I think you guys. Uh, he's giving them. Okay, you got it. Was going. he? Keep was he going. the? line order cook at a Waffle House repeating the order <laughs> that, that was just sent down to him. I don't know. I don't know what that was, but I've never seen him that animated at his own guys, and he was throwing his arms and fists around. I thought, is he pissed? What is his deal? I could, I, I don't know. Chris Murray ends up with 32 in that game, leading scorer over Trace Jackson Davis, who, by the way, we, we thought, uh, you know, Andrew and I sat there, and we thought, oh, he's done, right? His back hurt him. He could barely move coming out of halftime, and suddenly that kid hangs up another 18 points in the second half. That, well, that kid's good, you, right? You, we have to keep in mind that uh, 
What's his name? Ray, Race. Race Thompson. Thompson uh, got hurt. Did, right, and that helped, right, because he's that. That's another really well, that's big, a talented player. Big cog in the Indiana yeah. wheel. Yeah. Um, Indiana struggles with guards. I think. I mean, their guards aren't great, but their big guys are really good. Yep. Um, you know, and you know, to a degree, I was going to say the same about Purdue until. Every every guard for Purdue made a shot the other day. I was like, I didn't think any of those guys could maybe, shoot. Maybe they can't. But uh, so the Hawks go back. They head over to, to uh, New Jersey and surprisingly get off to a really good start. Not surprisingly, here I had a Bloody Mary and a nice breakfast. And, here, and, here and here how could I get off to a better start on Sunday morning? Well, the bad starts have been the, the mantra of these games, right? No for, question. For, for Iowa. And, Why did Iowa get up eight in it? What was the closest it you uh, got the rest got of the game? Up, Four? They, they got up to eight, they got up eighteen at one point. No, what there. was the closest Rutgers got? Four? Five. Uh, five. Five? Yep. Yep. They got it down from the five. from the jump. Right. Yeah. Um, that was like that was like an NBA game where you know Seattle was playing Portland back in the day. <laughs> they got ahead by twelve literally in the first five minutes of the game, and it never got close. Well, I will concur with you on the one thing. I thought it was one of the. F- the faster-paced game, certainly for two teams who in the past are, have been uh, – it, it, 55, been slow, right, 55, 54. Right, uh, It's certainly a fast-paced game, up and down. I thought it was a really a really good basketball game. Um, it was interesting to, to, to look at Rutgers and, and uh, try to figure out, okay, um, you know, why, why is Iowa scoring today when they were having troubles? But here's, here's what I kind of – we noticed Iowa turned the ball over a few times. Uh, they were, they, they missed some close shots, and but what they were doing was they were moving freely without the basketball and moving freely with the basketball, for that matter. They were moving quickly, freely, with purpose, and playing with. I felt like I was I was watching Bull Durham, and she's saying, you know, for one one and a half with Verm and bigger and you know vision and whatever, because they they were they were just flowing, right? The basketball was flowing, and even when they missed a shot, you're like, it's okay, it's a good shot, right? Or they made a turnover, and you're like, okay, well, we just try and do at least get it down low to where you could. It wasn't this pass the ball around the outside of the key and hope somebody falls down mentality. No, right? it, it was. It, that's a really good point. And and Brucey and I were actually talking about this during the game, how the ball was not getting stuck, literally anywhere that, exactly. on the court. Right. That yep. ball. That ball yep. was moving. The people were moving. The the team was moving. The execution was great. I don't know how many cuts that. Iowa got right down the middle middle of the lane against a Rutgers team that's really good at defending the rim. And Iowa's getting layups and dunks after about, I don't know, 12 minutes of – or 12 minutes, 12 seconds of offense. Of offense, yeah. You know, a couple things, and all of a sudden a back pick, and boom, and we're getting – and it was, it was a lot of guys. And then, of course, you got to give it to Peyton Sanford, who, who's, again, once he sees that ball go in – he thinks they're all going in, and then there are times where they all go in. So there's this. There was. I don't remember which game. I think it was the Wisconsin game we were watching. Where we? Yeah, was it? Anyway, there was a shot that he had a couple weeks ago in a game where where they had a shot, a replay of it from behind, and his hand went sideways, and he had a side spin on the ball, and right. we said, "Well, no wonder he can't hit anything." Right. Right. And and it was was very that the clear. game that you and I were watching together? Maybe. It, Maybe it was. Was it was? Maybe it was. Simo, maybe that's what. It, yeah, maybe it, that's right. It was Simo. That's right. And remember, and, and the ball spun sideways. We're like, well, no wonder he gets no reaction off the rim, and he's off all the time. 
The other day, that ball was going, he, his, it was almost like his guide hand. He was throwing it straight at it. You could just see it. it. It wasn't as much of a push as it was. It's like his shot changed, and he finally got it. Like, he's like finally just kind of in some sort of rhythm. Where, and it, it was not going off to the side. That was just going straight in no matter where he was. And, and granted, we can say that, well, yeah, obviously it went in. But, no, it, it went in a lot, right? Yeah. And, and, if, and granted, he's going to be streaky, right? But that's uh, – Clearly. We've, we've, we've pointed well, out that, that you've got to have that guy on the court who can knock down some of those shots at the key moments that he did against Rutgers to keep them at bay. Well, what, what was – I think he had made three in a row and – he went complete heat check. Yep. And I was like, oh, boy, there's a heat check. And he missed it. But what happened? Iowa got the offensive rebound, kicked it around. It got back to him, and then he made the next one. Yep. And I was like, holy cow, this kid is – he clearly has a – as my friend uh, Pat Springer, we, we would call it the Pat Springer mentality. You can only shoot your way out of a slump, and there are no bad shots. So just keep throwing it up there. <laughs> And, you know, my friend Pat Springer, who is now a d- defensive-minded coach, used to think an inbounds pass was an assist. So he also still holds the state record for the most points ever scored in the uh, Class 3A or 4A really? consolation okay. game. They don't play that anymore. Right? So it's, don't play the uh, that's a record anymore. that's not no, going to be broken. Never, never be broke. So at any rate, it you know, when he's able to make baskets and get things going, but, you know, you listen in uh, Bo- um, number five, Bo- Bowen. Bowen. Yeah. Bowen. God, I, 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 I say Bowen and I think of uh, Bowen Bourne. Oh. Um, Bowen's, both, both those guys making shots, making layups, shooting a three that goes in. Tony Perkins having a three go in. Yeah. Y- Ulyss uh, is not a good three-point shooter. I think he was two for five, but okay, so two. That's 40%, right? And you're like, okay, why are you shooting? Because they're, ba- well, they're backing off of you. you know, he's got to. Again, with, within the flow of the game, that's an okay shot. Right. Even if you're not a great three-point shooter, right? And yes. he did it a couple times and made it. Coming down on a break and stopping if you're a bad three-point shooter and chucking up a three, that's, that's, a, that's a bad, bad shot. shot. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. So it, those guys all contributed. Hey, look, Rutgers is good. They've been on a winning streak. They won at Purdue. They're the only team to beat Purdue. This is a Great win for Iowa, and it vaults them into this position now where you, you can't count all this stuff, these, these as wins because it, every team is, is, is able to beat you, particularly as you've seen if you hang your head, right? But Michigan's not great. They're 9-6. and six. Michigan has been – they are an enigma built up inside wrapped, of – Wrapped in a riddle instead yes. of – yeah, whatever. Yeah, 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 whatever mystery whatever wrapped inside of an enigma inside a riddle. Right. Yeah. They, they are that. Um but, you know, they don't have any more Wagners. No, that, they, that's not who they are this year. Um, Maryland has some talent, clearly, but they went to Rutgers and got beat by 16 a couple days ago. Well, they went to Michigan and, and got beat by 30. Yeah, they, they have played well at home, but we're playing Iowa. They're playing Iowa in Iowa City. That's a very winnable game. Now, Northwestern, I think, is actually, that's next week, but uh, Northwestern is actually better than people give them credit for. Having won at Indiana this week and and uh, winning against Illinois, they're thirteen and three by the way, Northwestern. But let's just imagine for a minute. How about Nebraska uh, playing pretty darn good? Oh, they're 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 playing they're playing well. I the got whole ne- Big Ten's playing. I got Nebraska beating Illinois tonight. 
Do you? I don't think Penn, it would surprise me. Penn in the State least. hung uh, with uh, with Purdue in the Palestra until they, there was a mini run Purdue had the other day, and it just ruined the whole thing, right? Right. But the whole Big Ten's good, with the exception of Minnesota and the officials. But five <laughs> Hawks could be five and three after this stretch, this 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 home stretch, and that would be remarkable and put them in a really good spot. By the way, they're back in to all the bracketology folks, throwing them at like nine or eleven seed. Getting a buy, well, number forty-four net number. I think number forty Ken Palm right now. So they're back in the conversation despite the IU. Right. All right, Tom Caker. When we come back on the Hawkeye Huddle on seventeen hundred champ and one hundred one point three FM. Hawkeye Huddle. Brett Ridge, Dick Payton Jr. with you. G Migs in West Des Moines. You can come down and join us here at Steak Night as usual on Tuesday nights, and uh, all kinds of other good food around here. By New the York way. Strip Night. A New York Strip. It's still a steak. Jordan mixes it up from time to time, doesn't he? It just gives you a little something different. It's a steak. That's right. It's got the DeBurgo sauce. Uh, got, uh, let's see. we got college basketball, South, South Carolina, Kentucky over there, Michigan State, Wisconsin. Sounds like Iowa State's going to be on here later tonight. So, uh, Well, um, Bruce got the rabbit ears up, up top. To get the so Iowa State. So you get the Iowa State and the Big 12 uh, <laughs> network. <laughs> there you go. He also has four squirrels and Kenny T on the, on the side. <laughs> Kenny T up there with his with with the the tinfoil. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We got Tom Gakert <laughs> from the do. new Hawkeye Report. Hey, th- t- Tom. So um, good afternoon, and and how are things going with the uh, the new platform? Hey guys, yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, everything's um, going well. You know, really pleased with uh, and thankful that um, all the Iowa fans have decided to. Uh, to join us and and um, yeah, so we've still got our our special going on too. If people want to sign up, it's a dollar uh, until uh, the start of the 2023 college football season. So uh, and that's not a dollar a month. That's just one dollar for all eight months. So um, it's pretty good. Appreciate one dollar. Uh, one Susan B. Anthony. <laughs> it's a you know it's a it's a you won your you won a bet. One dollar. No, it's good. It's it's good, and um, uh, it allowed some of us to go ahead and just uh, change our handle name so that after years of people making fun of us, they they don't. You know did? That, yeah, I, I'm a little different now. Oh, uh, but you're going to figure it out because I'm Hawkeye Huddle too. Oh, on their TOO. So, uh, but anyway, I don't post a lot anyway. Um, but it does. The site looks great, and uh, it's the same great content. Let's face it. It's it's a lot of the. It's uh, Tom. Tom and his guys uh, migrated over, and it's pretty good. But there's some extra stuff on there, like we say, with the with the transfer portal and all that, and some coverage of, of the transfer portal. Let's start there for football, Tom. Um, a, a couple of uh, a couple of good things this week, and a couple of things uh, not a little bit more disappointing. Let's let's go with the good one <laughs> first, which is uh, they got to. And maybe you know how to pronounce the kid's name just right. Dijon Parker from uh, Saginaw Valley was going to Virginia. He's flipped over. He's an offensive tackle. He's going to go to Iowa. Is, am I saying that correctly? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. okay. They they were able to get him. Um, you know, Saginaw Valley. He was going to go to uh, Virginia, but he is uh, Iowa. Um, also, Deacon Hill, back from Wisconsin, was going to go to Fordham and. He flipped over to Iowa uh, after uh, just shortly after Carson May decided to uh, enter the transfer portal. So those are the two um, 
two scholarship commits. They've also got a couple of guys walking on um, this week. Tight end Hayden Large, got to love that name, out of, uh, out of Dort, which I think if you were looking at his highlights, you would realize that, that they're, they love the way that kid blocks, right? I think he caught eight passes, but he, he blocked. He's from Dort. He's from Dort. Hayden Large, and then um, Jackson Filer, and uh, I would assume, them, assume that's Rodney Filer's kid, correct, uh, Tom? Yes, yep, Rodney Filer's kid, and, you know, they're kind of hoping maybe he can turn into, uh, you know, a Joe Evans kind of story. Uh, you know, kind of a, you know, he had what, like 15 sacks, I think, at uh, Iowa Western, and uh, we all know Iowa Western's the premier junior college program in the country uh, right now, so um, yeah, if he, they can get something uh, going with him off the edge, um, I think that'd be a real good thing. Isaac Tesla, it sounds like, has decided uh, it's down to Iowa State and Arkansas for him, so out of the running on that one, a little disappointing there, but uh, still looking at uh, the Rouse kid from Stanford. How, when when do you think we might hear something from him, Tom? Uh, what we heard today was he was going to have something to say maybe today or tomorrow, but um, he has uh, he is not at this point. So um, maybe it'll be tomorrow when we hear something from uh, uh, Rouse, the offensive lineman from. Uh, uh, from Stanford, but if they can get him, that really, really, um, I think, kind of chores up things uh, for uh, um, for Iowa on the offensive line. Uh, that that kid's a plug-and-play kind of all Big Ten level offensive lineman once he uh, once he arrives. You know, it's interesting. Um, it, it sounded like uh, when when the season, the regular season, ended that. Iowa would be hitting what we, what we would consider hitting the portal hard, right? Um, a, a dozen or so guys coming in, and it really seems more like they're certainly open to the portal, but they've they've targeted guys here, and and they're they're taking their time on the ones that they really want. Let's assume, though, or let, let, let's not assume. Let's um, ponder what might happen if you don't get that kid, and you're still looking for another wide receiver. And you probably do need to go find another another offensive lineman. Are they following anybody right now that you think might might be the next step uh, in that progression for either of those positions? Um, in terms of uh, their next targets in the portal, is yeah, that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of thinking in terms of uh, obviously they've their their positions of need. They've identified their positions of needs, and it's it's yeah. offensive line and they, wide receiver. You need wide receivers. My right. goodness, yeah, the challenge. The challenge you run into right now, guys, is that uh, the semester starts next week. So um, if you want to get them on campus, and now obviously there's some lag time there where, you know, you came in a week later. I don't think there's going to be a big deal, and you can probably get yourself into classes and um, and that sort of thing. So, so you got um, this week. But you want guys on campus for spring ball, right? So um, I, I think that's maybe the, the little bit of urgency, but I don't think they're going to rush things. Um, I, I just don't. I, I think they're going to take their time, and um, I think they're going to try and find the right fit, and if that means I'm missing out on a guy for spring ball, then so be it. But uh, um, right now, you look out, uh, at least just from my view, um, it is still a buyer's market out there. It's um, there's a lot of wide receivers out there. 
uh, that are going to be available. And, and it's one of those musical chair things, right? Where guys, there's just not going to be seats on, on, uh, on, on the ride, you know, for a lot of guys. So you might have some guys that just kind of fall to you. Uh, and remember, there'll be another window uh, after spring ball where more guys can enter the portal. And I think we'll see that as well. Well, Charlie Jones moved to Purdue, didn't yeah. have spring ball yeah, in spring West ball. Lafayette, yeah. seemed to have an okay year. So <laughs> if, if, you're, yeah. if you're an established good wide receiver and you can, you can make that decision even if it isn't now, even in the summer, uh, you're going to have a whale of an opportunity, obviously, at Iowa. Um, Tom, if you, uh, if you look at the, uh, the, the other thing that fans are paying attention to right now, which is really, will there be any changes in the coaching staff? It sure sounds like, and I don't, uh, you can correct me, actually, hopefully you, did, you would correct me, that, <laughs> there's, not, that there's nothing changing, right? Everybody's going to be, it sounds like it's going to be status quo as far as what those guys are, uh, who's, who's in what position on the coaching staff. You know, the, here's what I'll say. It seems like that right now, and it can always change. You know, there's um, – is Kirk actively looking to um, move someone off his staff? I don't believe that. Um, but is, is there a chance that somebody on the staff ends up getting a job somewhere else or, um, you know, deciding to leave? Sure. It's always that chance but I just don't get that sense right now that, um, that Kirk is trying to engineer um, any coaching changes within his uh, current coaching structure. So, Tom, Brian is still involved in name on these uh, lawsuits. Is that right? Yes. I have to think it's going to be very hard for him to go anywhere other than an NFL place. And even with that, that would be hard. I agree. Right. I yeah. agree. With that hanging over. We saw over what him. happened with Chris Doyle. We saw what happened with Chris. Yeah, Doyle. there you go. That's a, a great point. Yeah, we, well, Andrew and I were talking that uh, about that on the way here, and and it's hard to to hard to realize just how awake the woke crowd is, right? They know where these guys are, right? You might say, well, that just you know the Doyle thing was too close to when it all actually went down, and so people knew about it. No, I, I agree with you. I think if Brian were to try to go somewhere, there would be mass protests on that campus or that in that uh, against that team, regardless of whether he's guilty of anything. Right. In fact, you know, they've they've uh, they've made the motion for summary judgment on that, that there's zero evidence. Right. They don't even have witnesses that w- that will testify against him. Um, but it hasn't been dismissed yet. And what I worry about for him is that it doesn't really matter if it's dismissed or not. That he may, he's probably going to be stuck with that wherever he goes, um, but hopefully, you know, at some point in time, he'll be able to to, to move on w- without the, that stigma uh, going down. But you're right; it's it's a good point as to what might happen with him. That's why I theorize maybe somebody else might be moving on and they could move his duties around. Um, well, I will say this, Tom. I, we looked at um, it's a historically good defense that Iowa had this last year. It'll be a good defense next year, and hopefully the position players they're bringing in on offense will help him uh, move on, uh, uh, make things a lot better on the basketball side of things Tom we saw uh, a team that I you know frankly I think last week we just didn't know 
what they were going, where they could go, right? We just didn't know mentally, physically, emotionally where they could go. Losing Patrick and the games, and the, and somewhere in the middle of the the eighth minute of the game against Indiana, the under under twelve timeout, they they found themselves again. Oh, maybe more accurately, <clears throat> Chris Murray found himself again, and the rest of the team followed along. But uh, suddenly, they uh, they looked like the team that started the year again. They just started playing free and easy basketball with each other, and and there therein lies the key, I think, to this team. They've got to just play and and get out there and go rather than searching themselves to figure out what they're going to do. And David made uh, it's a long way of getting to David even noticed that Fran firing him up a couple of times where it didn't almost didn't look like Fran was yelling at him. He was just keeping them going, keeping them emotionally in the, in the game and encouraging them. Well, Tom, it happened after the timeout. The technical, he got the tee against Indiana. They called a timeout, and he ran onto the court and was screaming and exhorting at his team, and I couldn't tell if he was happy or mad. Is that the emotional wave of this team? Is that the way that they, that they have to have that, that kind of <clears throat> get up and go? Um, maybe. I, I just think, um, you know, with this team, and, and I think we're seeing it play out, is they make shots, they're a pretty good basketball team. <laughs> and when they don't make shots, they're just going to scuffle. And, you know, for, um, you know, the Nebraska game, you saw they, they couldn't make a shot. They missed 54 shots, I think, in that game. Hard to win. And for the first half of the Penn State game, they struggled to make shots. And then the second half, they looked like Iowa again and almost pulled off uh, the comeback. And in that first half against Indiana, they struggled a little bit. And uh, then they figured it out and, and uh, came back and won that game. And I thought they played terrific on Sunday. Probably oh. Maybe their most complete effort all season. Uh, given where they were playing at, uh, at Rutgers. So I, I like, I've always liked this team. I, I think it, what, I think what we're discovering though is if Peyton Sanford makes shots, oh man, it's pretty good. Yeah. You know, it might be that simple. Well, I'll tell you, there's a, there's a very interesting statistic. If Iowa shoots better than like 38% from the three and holds the other team to 30 or less, they win. And if you look in Ken Palm, yeah. at every win and loss, that's exactly the situation. So basically, we have to guard the three, and we have make to make the three. The three. <laughs> and so to your point, Iowa well, only had one two-point basket right. on that inbounds play. In the whole second half. Right. All right, hey, thanks, Tom. We, we're already at the thanks, end of the, of the segment. All we'll right, check be you well. next week. Tom Caker to HawkeyeReport.com. We'll be back. Wrap things up here in the Hawkeye Huddle. 1700 the champ. So we're back here in the Hawkeye Huddle. Brad Ridge, Dave Creighton Jr. with you. Wrapping things up from G-Mix here on 5th Street in West Des Moines. I want to thank all the great sponsors of our program. Of course, our friends at EMPM Plumbing. You know what they do. They do plumbing. They do plumbing. The Blue Ribbon Baking Festival will be celebrating its 15th anniversary with a two-day... I don't know if anybody can hear that, but we're doing the Blue Ribbon Baking Festival. Let's go with them. Let's go with Blue Ribbon Ribbon Baking Festival. Festival. That's great. And uh, you and I need to work on a... uh, contest of some sort to, to award to get, the vips yeah the great angie lancaster remax concepts for your uh 
She's working right now. I can sit <laughs> here. She's right and, here. And I'm, I'm looking at her working right now. And uh, she's consternating. Uh, her friend Brian Houck is not here. Uh, thankfully, made it home on his 50th birthday. Had a bit of an issue out, out in San Francisco. Was he a Southwest Airlines? Guy? No, oh. he. Well, that was the first issue. Oh, okay. yes, but the second, the second, he had a he had a health scare. Oh no! On on his birthday, oh, day before his birthday, it was New Year's Eve day. So he wasn't going to make fifty. Oh, good. Glad oh. he made it. Yeah, well, I'm good. glad he did too. Glad he's back. Good. Anyway, from Key Mortgage, and of course, she makes. Of course, she Miggs and our friends at uh, Private Wealth Asset Management here in Valley Junction, uh, the Valley Junction area, where they bring you the Fifth Street Five each week. We've struggled a little bit with our five this week, uh, so our research is not perfect, but no. we are doing the answers are perfect. We don't know all of the 100% of the specifics, but we, we are right on on all, all of our uh, answers. Uh, right, and it's the, they're some of the greatest, uh, the, the, the great five, top five uh, comebacks in Iowa basketball at least in our history, right? Yes. We may not know much about what happened pre-1975, probably. Yes. But uh, other than that, the ones that we, that we well, are identifying, and right? Who, who, who saw a game? I, re- I remember Bruce Sky King versus Minnesota in one game in 77. Right. You know? right, right. So Iowa came from behind by uh, 21 the other night to, uh, to win the game. We're going to throw in a couple of other ones at you right now, and I'm going to start. Uh, I, I, think, um, I, I think you pointed out a, a, um, a good one. Uh, well, I'm going to let you go with that one. Let's go with number five is the Gardner-Webb because it's the largest one. Uh, Gardner-Webb, terrible basketball team. Iowa got behind by 23 and somehow turned that around and came back a couple years ago at Carver-Hawkeye. Uh, and was not really a surprise. the Fran era? It was in the Fran era. Was, was that a game that was able to be watched on television? I think it was like 2012. So it was like, I mean, what was it, 39 to 16 or something like that? I, I, I barely remember it. All right. I barely remember it. Um, I just know that it, that's that's what it was. November seventeenth, two thousand and twelve. They raced a twenty-three point win. Ah, I know uh, why I don't know that. Half deficit. You want to know why? They won sixty-five fifty-six because so I was in Mexico preparing to be wed. Oh well, there you go. That's why I don't know okay. that game. Was it that year, two thousand and twelve? One one two one one two. Okay. That's also uh, okay. an ASCII code. For <laughs> and so then they went on the road. Then code. they went to Cancun and beat some de- a decent team down there, didn't they? Because you were we there. lost to Wichita. Yeah, but we beat somebody good the night before that too. Anyway, Xavier, Xavier. All right. Uh, so Gardner Webb, number five. You brought up a good one here uh, in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, GW back in uh, I'm going to say '93 ish. Uh, I was actually at Charlie's watching that game. Young Justin Creighton was there. He was but a wee one. It was here, really? Oh, yeah, and uh, Charlie let him in, and uh, Hawks were down like 16 or 17 with about three to four minutes to go, and came back, tied the game, went to overtime one. That was a great, great game. Yep. Um, certainly the, the uh, come from behind NC State and Tom Davis' second game, 17 points down with, uh, with uh, just about two and 243 on the clock, as I recall, uh, would be in there as well. The Great Alaska Shootout. In the Great Alaska Shootout. And a similar one, the Chris Street, everybody remembers the Chris Street game as the Michigan game at home, but actually they played one, one before that. They went on the road to the Breslin Center where they'd only won one time before, and they were down 14 with two minutes to go in that game and tied it and went into overtime and won that one. And uh, a plug, next week we'll have Chris Street is the, uh, is the, the five, and we'll have uh, some good preparation for that. 
30 years ago this year, this this just happened. In fact, on Saturday. Was the anniversary. I No, this Saturday passed. I drove, got off on Highway 1, was headed really? north to Solon, and drove right by. I was looking at the Highlander going, this is where it happened. This is where it happened. Yeah. Um, 30. And, and then, you know, so we left an honorable mention out of there. Iowa down 18 at Kansas uh, in the Kent McCausland game. Kent McCausland game. game. But there's no way you can't put number one at uh, coming back from 21 down at Illinois when uh, when they were uh, with Tom Davis in his first year there in Iowa. That vaulted them to number one in the country after they beat Purdue a couple of days later. And that was an incredible flying Illini team and an incredible <laughs> Iowa team. And that was a great win, a big, big that win. Was, that was the day that I think Roy Marble decided that he was going to be the best player in Iowa history. And so at the Kansas win – was their first home loss, non-conference loss in like 73 games. Right. Right. So those were all big. There's some big comebacks, and that's brought to you by Private Wealth Asset Management here and the and Fifth Street Five. And we've got the, the Northwestern game that Andrew brought up uh, also. The Bohannon deal. Right. Yes. The, the Bohannon one where he threw a bunch of them three-pointers in unconsciously, right? Andrew, yeah, three three-pointers in the last minute. Yeah. Um, real quickly, the wrestlers this week, they uh, beat Illinois 25-19 to and then went and smoked uh, Purdue 37-6. to The fun part about that is, was the, the Spencer Lee. Did you see this? I didn't. I read about it just uh, this morning that he got put on his back and all of a sudden. He was darn near pinned. He was not only on his back, but the kid had him like within. The guy was starting to count. He got out of it and then pinned the kid. In two, all that happened in two minutes, 25 it's, seconds. It was, uh, it was amazing. He turned right around and just went right at him. Suddenly it was 8-8, eight eight, and then he, and they're like, well, he'll just wrestle his way through this now. Because the kid was ranked. I can't remember what. Number nine. And, and, he, and he, he destroyed him after that. I'm, I'm going to have to have my wrestling insider send me the, uh, f- uh, the footage of that one. It, it was, I would it probably was go on Big, Big Ten Network and watch it. It, it, was, it, was, it was great. Uh, they have Northwestern Friday, uh, 8 p.m. That's on ESPN. Do you U know that Carver Northwestern Hawk, is number 11? Are they Do really? you know Iowa State's up to f- three or four? Uh, that, that, that meet was close. Yeah. I, it was a very good meet uh, in, in Iowa City a couple months ago. Of course, Penn State won. Right. Uh, women's, women's basketball team, a big win at Michigan this week, 94-85, number Huge. 14 Michigan. Huge. Um, <laughs> they, <laughs> both teams, <laughs> Iowa shot 60% in the game, 59.75, and Michigan shot 50%. Nobody played any defense at all, but it didn't matter. That's where they won the 94-85. Uh, of course, Clark with 28 in that one, Monica Sonano with 19. They've got Northwestern and Penn State at home this week. They're 12-4, and 4-1, uh, number 20 in the old RPI that they have uh, for women's basketball. Uh, ranked number nine and number 12 in the country, depending on the poll. But uh, they keep moving along. I feel like uh, these are the two games that they, they should have to get to six and one. And things are moving for them. It, it really, it really comes down to in some of those games where they've got more athletic teams they're playing, if, can they just stop them at all? Or just get can, a few stops. Or can Iowa continue to make shots? Just outs like they did, Like they did the other day. Yeah. And, and it has to be people other than just Caitlin. The other day, Warnock. Popped out, knocked down a big three. Katie, Katie Miller, is that right? Uh, Katie, I think it's Miller. Uh, got the ball, dribbled out, turned around, knocked down a three. Um, you got to get other people making outside shots so that they can't just run people yep. like Caitlin yep. the entire time. And then she gets 
stuck forcing up shots. It is kind of fun that she makes one from a lo- from the logo in every arena Virtually, in every game, right? She's she's gonna there's gonna be footprints around the Big Ten where she where she did where she's it. made them from where she did. You know, one thing uh, going back to football, and I, and I know it, Tom seems to think, and it sounds like there's right now no indication of coaching staff change. I will tell you this. That's going to frustrate a lot of Iowa fans. I did. I mean, we, we kind of got onto that late in, in our discussion. I wanted to so, move on to basketball. So let's talk. Let's talk about an offensive philosophy, and, why, and let's talk about Georgia, who's just gone back to back winning national champions, and and their offensive coordinator and their scheme last night was absolutely perfectively run. Oh, it was. It was TCU was running circles, right? They, 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 they had no idea who they were supposed and, to and they, guard. And they ran it all out of shotgun, or virtually all out of, out of shotgun. So Bennett, who, by the way, is a sneaky good athlete, uh, showing speed, yeah. uh, elusiveness, and the ability to r- run the ball. I'm, so I'm watching this game. I'm thinking, all right, Spencer Petrus couldn't do that. Can Cade McNamara do that? I don't know. I don't recall. Uh, and we, we hope that we can see some of that sort of elusiveness, some of that, if nothing yeah. else, uh, the option to have your quarterback run and make plays like that. But that scheme wasn't that difficult. Now, you got to keep this in mind. Georgia's got the best players. Yeah, they got athletes. You know, they got athletes. And, they do. and I was watching that game last night, and I, I just kept saying, they're so fast. They're so fast. They're fast at, at their linemen are fast. Their running backs are fast. Their wide receivers are fast. Their defensive backs but, are incredibly fast. Their defensive linemen but are they fast. Still run a more, they run a more intelligent offense. They call plays that are more. Do you know that I read a stat well, it the wasn't other day. All, the trickeration that they do was all either in motion. But you don't need trickeration. Do you know that, that when, we had, when we had a goal-to-go situation this year, we, ran like, we only had like seven goal-to-go situations. I know. We ran three we, jet sweeps. We only threw into the end zone, into the end zone, three times all year. No. Yes. Okay, whatever. We, uh, I mean, we we threw short of the. There was a touchdown in the Nevada game. Uh, yes, but he. We don't. Everything was thrown under. Uh, now I, I can go back and check that. I read that somewhere. But my point is, it's was close. it on the internet? Because if it was, no, it's be there true. was somebody that had it. My point is, is when we when we got inside the ten yard line. Yes. No, I understand. He, he we didn't even try. It's dumb play calling. It's not even. That's not just scheme. That's just that we're in a situation right now. And I'm I'm sorry because this, this was a historically good defense. How good was it? The the yards per play. Statistically, one, we were better than Georgia. Three point nine nine yards per play in the last. 20 years, there have been three teams in all of college football in the last 20 years to have that statistic tied it. Nobody's beaten it, right? Alabama, Alabama 16, 2016 and National 17. Champs. And Ohio State in 2007. I think, actually, they may have beaten it. In the last 20 years, this is a 20-year generational defense, and you went 8-4 and four because so what your is offense your answer? was stupid. My answer is... My answer is he sh- I mean, you can sit here and bitch all night. What's your answer? It's part of the show. My answer is that Brian Ferentz needs to either he needs to be moved out of that position. I don't care if you leave him on the staff. He needs to be moved. And the fact that he's not, I, I, this is God's honest truth. I called the athletic department today to find out if I could pause my tickets for next year. What did they say? No. 
can't you can't pause you don't you lose your you lose your 35 year priority that I've got I'm serious. I don't want to give the university any more money for this for this situation. We'll give your money to the swarm, then. Well, that might be where it has to go. The problem is you have to pay. We got to pay a little premium for our seats. Not much, though. My point being, no, we, not this, much. There's this is. Uh, I spend more here. Right, I, <laughs> that's our donation, both sides. But my point is, I th- this is. This situation. What is if they keep the? What if they keep the staff intact and they say to what's his name? It starts with the B, Botter Bud, sauce. Bud my air or whatever. Yeah. And they say you're the play caller. Uh, well, first of all, isn't he like just an advisor? So he does. There's no room for him to officially be a coach. There's always room, Brett. You know no, this. No, there's not. We, we were there one time. I know. And we were told room. there was always room. And that was a church. There is always room upstairs. But the point. But the point being, I don't believe he's allowed to be an actual coach. He's got to be an advisor because they don't have room for him on the coaching staff. So if you – okay, fine, if you want – because that would make some sense because he was Wisconsin's offensive coordinator. That would make some sense. I get that. But it doesn't sound like that's happening. Somebody's got to call the plays. And if and, – and if, right now, the way the situation turned out this year – Here's, here's you, the part that bothers me. Is everybody thinks that Kirk Ferentz is one calling the plays, and he doesn't. Let's get, right. So – Brian, so Brian's calling the plays. Brian's been calling the plays. We're going to win this week. Last call, uh, I say we win two. I say we go one and one because I said it last week, and I'm just sticking with that. Under the good mojo. Good mojo. All right. right. Join us next week right here on 1700 and 101.3 FM for the Hawkeye Huddle.